Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live, where your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne, thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get down to business, uh, here's Tamara to tell you a little bit about our upcoming novel, Exorcism, which is book three in the Ravencrest saga and is slated for release on Valentine's Day. Because it's so sweet. Right? In the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the 1920s, Henry Manning ruled Ravencrest with an iron fist. He held debauched parties that would have inspired Jay Gatsby himself, or horrified him probably. From the Manning fortune to a beautiful wife, the silent film star known as the White Violet, Henry had it all, including a loyal cult that worshipped the demon Fornius. Violet lost her life, putting a stop to the demented perversions that Henry and his demonic familiar visited upon Ravencrest, but now that evil has returned. In the night, an innocent maid is seduced by a demon lover. A child is born, but it is not of this earth. Father Antonio de Vargas is summoned as ghostly parties light up the old pool house and phantom screams rip open the night. Meanwhile, the white violet wanders the halls of Ravencrest, warning the inhabitants of death and disaster to come. And the current master of Ravencrest, Eric Manning, is decidedly not himself. All right. Uh, Yep, and that's coming out again. Uh, Again, that's coming out on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2020. And if you need to catch up with the uh, gothic goings-on at uh, Ravencrest Manor, you can get books one and two. Uh, at Amazon in paperback and ebook. Book one is The Ghosts of Ravencrest, and book two is The Witches of Ravencrest. Again, uh, this is Thorning Cross on a Night's Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistercross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thorningcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarthorn. You can visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook, and if you're on Instagram, you can find us at at Thorn and Cross or at official underscore Alistair Cross. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, tonight we are pleased to have a return visit from Paul Tremblay. Uh, Paul has won the Bram Stoker Award, British Fantasy and Massachusetts Book Awards, and is the author of The Cabin at the End of the World, Disappearance of Devil's Rock, A Head Full of Ghosts, and the crime novels The Little Sleep and No Sleep Till Wonderland, and the short story collection Growing Things and Other Stories. He is currently a member of the board of directors of the Shirley Jackson Awards, and his essays and short fiction have appeared in the Los Angeles Times, Entertainment Weekly, online, and numerous year's best anthologies. Uh, he has a master's degree in mathematics and lives outside of Boston with his family. Uh, Growing Things and Other Stories is his latest book, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? Uh, happy to be back. Thank you. Is this number three, I think? I think so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. I think, I think, and I, I think I, it I, is. We, we, we love having you, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy yes, to be here. Uh, and I'll uh, apologize if I start, uh, like, coughing or dying on air just because I'm fighting a virus. That's, 
<laughs> Everybody is this time of year. It's yeah. the worst thing going around ever. It's but really I bad in ask, Massachusetts right now. But sorry, go ahead. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my son's in Seattle, and they sent him to the hospital. They were afraid he'd caught that uh, the, the thing from China. Oh, geez, he had wow. Yeah, he said it was oh, no. only pneumonia. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> only pneumonia. Only pneumonia. Yeah, well, that, that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> now tell him he's been on the air. Um, I wanted to ask one question before we get started. You have a degree in mathematics. Yes. How do you understand words and numbers? Usually it's one or the <laughs> other, real. but not both. <laughs> For yeah, real. for real. We yeah. both want to know. <laughs> um, it's I don't know. I get asked that fairly frequently. Uh, I will say I have found uh, that there are, you know, not a ton, but there are definitely some sort of math writers out there or, or people who have like a math background that, you know, also found their way over to, to writing fiction. Uh, maybe most notably Stuart Onan, um, American novelist. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. I know he, he was an engineering major in college before he went over to the dark side <laughs> of writing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard to explain, like, how I shifted from one to the other. Um, I don't know. I'm just glad it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> or just glad that it works for me. Uh, I think maybe even particularly with a day job as a teacher, it's nice to, you know, if, I think it would be harder for me if I was teaching English because I'd be using the same sort of brain muscles for writing. Right. Um, You know, when I teach math, I don't come home. I come home tired, but I'm not like, oh, I've been like doing nothing but reading and writing essays all day. I've been, you know, teaching math. It's different, so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the minute letters get involved in math, I just lose all comprehension. Do you teach algebra (laughs) above or or something that I'd understand? (laughs) Yeah, oh, no, I, uh, you know, I mean, I teach usually geometry, but I also teach calculus, uh, one Ooh. of the AP calculus, yeah. So it's all letters, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> wow. that's scary. I'm okay, I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. I, I like geometry, though. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, geometry's fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right, now, uh, all right, so the new release is Growing Things and Other Stories. And so before we get into what we can expect to find in Growing Things, um, let's talk about how did it come to be. Is this uh, the first short story collection you've done? It's my first one with uh, William Morrow, uh, my current publisher. Uh, it's my mm-hmm. first one with what I, would, you know, I guess what most people would call you know, a major publisher. I uh, mm-hmm. I had two short story collections with independent presses earlier. Actually, uh, one way back in 2005 called Compositions for the oh, Young wow. and Old. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, a lot of that was like a lot of my earliest stuff. And, you know, in retrospect, I probably published the book too early. I mean, I'm still proud of, of the book, but I don't know. It's so old now. Like, if I were to read some of those stories, I'd definitely cringe. <laughs> um, right. And then I had one. I had one with a Canadian independent press in 2010 called In the Meantime. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so this is my first one, first collection in, geez, I guess like nine years at this point. Um, nice. Wow. So I, I part of what I want to do is to pack a lot of stories into it because, I don't know, most major publishers really don't, eh, you know, short fiction collections it's, don't sell as well as novels and no. in particular with horror, there aren't that many you know, major publishers yeah. doing horror collections. I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to do a collection, I'm going to make sure I put a bunch of stories. So there's 19 stories in there. 
Um, oh, wow. So in some ways, it's a little bit, not a retrospective, but it definitely, um, you know, it's it's stories that I've written after the other collection. So most of the stories were written post-2010, mm-hmm. although I did put a few favorites, uh, older favorites, uh, three older favorites in the collection as well. Um, so hopefully, okay. you know, in one way, I think the book's a nice little, I don't know, it's a nice sort of summary of my work in short fiction, because that's how I got my start as a writer. Yeah, Alistair, right, right. don't don't do well with short fiction, so we really admire people who can, because, you know, our our short fiction is 120,000 words, you know, yeah. <laughs> even if we try to write a short story yeah. that long. But uh, yeah, what I love seeing here yeah, is that you take, what really appeals to me is that you take characters from your novels and play off of them. You, you have a universe that you use. Uh, can you talk a little about that? Sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say uh, for, for listeners who haven't read any of my stuff, you can still read the collection and not be lost. Um, you know, of the 19 stories, I think there are maybe four that have connections to other books, but, you know, having read the other books is not a requirement or a prerequisite. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, what horror writer doesn't like to, or writers in general, I think, love having the idea of the connected universe and, I sort mm-hmm. of cheekily referenced that in one of the stories called Notes from the Dog Walker, um, which is a story told from <laughs> the point of view of notes left by people who walk the dog for an unnamed writer, um, who is <laughs> essentially me. Um, but yeah, uh, well, the the title, sorry I'm rambling a little bit, but the title no, story, definitely. Throwing Things, um, if mm-hmm. anyone's read A Head Full of Ghosts, Within that novel, the two sisters tell each other stories, and one of the stories that they tell each other is about this apocalyptic growth of vines. Um, And that short story actually existed before A Head Full of Ghosts did. I wrote it in 2009, 2010. Um, You know, the characters had slightly different names, but when it came back, when when I sat down to write A Head Full of Ghosts, I was like, oh, you know, I need the sisters to tell each other stories. And and a story I Uh wrote sort of occurred to me, so I put it in the book. So I know it's been kind of fun to cool. <laughs> to bounce back and forth. It was a short story first, you know, which not very many people read uh-huh. at all. And then, you know, I put it in a head full of ghosts or referenced it, and now I get to sort of bring uh-huh. it back. <laughs> um, That's so fun. Yeah, so it's a little bit of fun. And I, I did write uh, – there are two stories that are original to the collection. One of them I just mentioned, Notes from the Dog Walker. The other totally original story, meaning it hasn't been published anywhere else. Uh, I wrote that sort of it takes place after the events of Headful of Ghosts. Ah, nice, nice. I love it. Now, is there a, when you're when you're doing this? It's you know it's called growing things, and you talked about you know apocalyptic vines. So I'm guessing there's a there's a theme. Is is can you talk a little bit about that? It's something that kind of holds a thread that holds all the stories together to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly loose, uh, but the idea of growing things, you know, of how, <coughs> excuse me, um, <laughs> of how, well, part of it just references a lot of the stories are from the point of view of children or or parents. Excuse me one minute. Sorry. That was that two weeks ago. Okay. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we both did this. 
Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. You're good. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. You are. Mm-hmm. Break out the brandy. Break out the brandy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Oh, no, that's okay. We, we've we've been doing this ourselves, so it just sounds yeah, normal. Yeah, we just got over it, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I haven't had a coffee fit all day. It's more like <laughs> a pickle. Naturally. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? We? Oh. Uh, um, we were talking a little bit about the uh, just like the theme, like if there's, oh. and you were saying it's, it's kind of loose, but yeah. And then the vines attacked me. <laughs> yeah. Um sort of loose, like as I mentioned, it's um a lot of the stories take place or or use kids as characters or parents, so there's sort of like the literal growing that way. Um uh-huh. I think growth is a is a is a theme in a lot of the other stories just in terms of like, you know, sort of life um life milestones, like there's you know, the different aspects mm-hmm. of growing. Um uh-huh. But as you mentioned, there are some characters that repeat. So there's a few stories that, you know, plot-wise, they don't hinge on the connections, but there are sort of tendrils between stories that connect some things as well. I like the way you put that. See, all yeah, I can think but... about is my Kate honeysuckle that's taking over my yard and the wisteria <laughs> taking over the backyard. <laughs> this means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> tendrils. Yeah. Wow. This and, is you know, I think really uh, I'm curious if... Have you ever read um, Rappuccini's Daughter? No. no. I, you know, I, I have it, and I, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's. I don't know why I brought that to mind, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. So yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I'm curious. We talked a little bit about like how you, uh, how uh, this is. You know, you've done short stories. You've done. Um, novels and we both, you know, have a hard time with short stories because it's you really have to be very <laughs> limited with what you, you know, uh, you know, you can't put a lot of the detail and things in that uh, that you do in a novel and you yeah. can't get too carried away like we like to do. So I'm curious, yeah. um, do, do you, <laughs> which one do you enjoy more between between the short stories and the novels and why? Uh, that's a hard question. Um, I don't know. I try to let the story be what it's going to be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. That, that's I don't, how we I don't get try long. To force, like, I yeah. don't try to force a story to be a novel if I don't think it is. Um, mm-hmm. like I had mentioned my first attempts at writing were almost all short stories. And I, I did yeah. read uh-huh. a ton of short stories um, when I was emerging as a writer. Um, right. You know, like Clive Barker's Books of Blood, obviously Stephen King, Shirley Jackson, um, you know, and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other short story writers. So, you know, it was a form that I always, you know, that I, that I continue to enjoy. Um, uh-huh. I will say I, I have found it harder going back to write short stories now that I've been doing novels mainly for the past uh, six, seven years. I've been pretty much in novel yeah. mode, you know, straight on through for those years. So yeah. I do find it a little bit harder to go back and my short stories are actually now getting longer than they used to be. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I think for me, like, it's hard to say what's, I mean, I guess I would say maybe I like writing a short story better just because <laughs> I can be done with it in yeah. like three or four weeks as opposed to a novel where it's going to take me over a year 
and I'm usually right. beating myself uh, up over it the whole time. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah, the appeal of a short episode. story to me is its focus. Um, you know, my favorite short stories sort of, even though they're short, obviously, um, you know, they, they play with time. You know, they take something that, you know, happens in a, you know, just in terms of words, a limited amount of time or a limited amount of words, but at the same time, it's that story is trying to describe something that's timeless or eternal. Um, right. You know, it's hard to explain exactly unless, you know, I point to like a certain short story that's just great. But, um, Oh, how, how about the Roald Dahl one? I didn't know he wrote kids' stuff when I was a kid. I only read his adult stuff. The one He wrote the one about the meek little housewife who kills her husband with a frozen like a lamb and feeds it to the cops that are questioning her. <laughs> that, to me, is a short story. <laughs> that is a short story. Yeah. It had it all. You know? <laughs> but I always think of that as a perfect short story. I don't remember the title though. Yeah, I don't <sighs> I yeah, I don't know the title either, but I do know the story. Yeah. 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 So is there um, yeah, we, in, in 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 growing things, is there uh I don't know, like what are do you do you have a I know this is not an easy question, but do you have one of of the short stories that really stands out to you that that, that you feel is uh particularly um strong and uh you know, like, what can you tell us about that? Um, well, uh, I, I'm really happy with how Notes from the Dog Walkers came out because it starts off as, like, this very playful, you know, hopefully humorous piece where the story mm-hmm. is told from letters left by dog walkers. And, <laughs> you know, the letters start yeah. off with, like, hey, you know, you know, Holly was great. Uh-huh. We took her outside, and then we came back inside for cuddles. <laughs> You know, and then the the, <laughs> the 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 notes start becoming increasingly bizarre and intrusive into the author's life, and uh, the response to that one's been really good. Um, oh, that sounds good. But uh, I'd say there's one short story in the collection that's the oldest that has a special place in my heart, uh, and it's called "It's Against the Law to Feed the Ducks." Uh-huh. And I think I first wrote it in 2004, or 2000, no, 2005. Um, I don't know, to me, that story was the first time that I had felt like I I played around with ambiguity, which is something I do a lot in my novels, and I, I did it mm-hmm. successfully. Like, I, the story was what I wanted it to be. You know, whether or not it's any good from someone else's point of view, you know, it didn't matter to me. It's just that I felt like, okay, this is a story that, this is kind of what I want to do. Like, in this story, for the first time, mm-hmm. I felt like that, in my own head, established what my voice was both in terms of, you know, style, but also in, in story. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's a very quiet story. Um, you know, there's an apocalyptic sort of thing happening at the edges of the story. Um, so, like, in the wider world, there's this great cataclysm, some apocalypse, but the story itself focuses on this family who's on vacation. Um, uh-huh. And it's, I don't know, it'd be hard for me to, to, to tell you why. Like, it's my why I think it's like the scariest, most disturbing story. Like I can't point to a particular scene. I just kind of feel like if you read the whole story, um, I think you would, but most readers would agree that it's, you know, a disturbing kind of story. Right. right. And you, you said that you, you, you know, you, you read a lot of uh, short stories, you know, as you were, 
you know, young and, and coming yeah. into your yeah. writing. Uh, do you have Do you have a favorite short story that uh, that's not yours, someone else's? Yeah, I'll give you two. Um, so the first story is you know we were talking about math. <coughs> excuse me, math earlier. Mm-hmm. The first story is called uh, "Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been?" by Joyce Carol Oates. Oh, okay. <sighs> I read that when I was uh, a senior in college, and I was taking one of my last classes at the school. I ended up in an English 101 class for long, boring reasons. <laughs> But a senior in an English 101 class. Um, oh dear! Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget reading that story. It, it like it literally changed my life. Like I read it and thought to myself, uh, I didn't realize people wrote things like this. Uh, that story helped oh. turn me into a reader first, which is obviously the first important step, essential step yeah. before even becoming the, a writer. What was the title again? Where are you going? Where have you been? Okay, sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a story that sort of put her on the map, quote-unquote. It was like, um, I don't know, one of her first – I mean, she's an amazing writer, I think, but that was the first story yeah. that people noticed who, you know, choices work. Um, nice. And the second story um, was Clive Barker's In the Hills, the Cities. Whereas yeah. I, I feel like I try to write stories like Joyce Carol Oates' Where Have You Going, Where Have You Been? I've made references – I named like the villain of my disappearance at Devil's Rock after the villain and her in that story. Uh, but Cl- Clive's story to me is something I, I don't think I could ever do, which is part of the appeal mm-hmm. because it's just such a a vivid, um, wildly imaginative story. The, the the type that I don't do, but it's a story that just I don't know it sticks with me. It's um, I don't want to say too much for people who haven't read it because I feel like I give away sort of the power of the story. Um, mm-hmm. But it sort of takes the you know a couple lost a couple a tourist lo- get lost like in England or not in England in Europe you know and they find something in the, in the hinterlands kind of thing so you've seen that stereotypical setup before but what happens with that setup is just it's just I don't know mind uh, yeah yeah his yeah. short stories are pretty amazing I didn't they weren't my kind of thing but I couldn't put them down yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What does that mean? They're not your kind of thing, but you couldn't put them down. <laughs> it's like, oh, holy crap, I'm not going to write this. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> They're just yeah. brilliant in yeah. a very different yeah, way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. No, yeah, I, Clive I was mean. the first writer. I, I, I remember thinking, I'm not safe with Clive. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and I mean that like the best possible way. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes complete sense. <laughs> Well, and you know, wow. you you have uh, built up quite a, uh, you know, uh, you have a really good reputation for being a great storyteller. And uh, you know, I see. I'm, I recently got on Instagram because it's the place to be, and I see a lot of you know people talking about your books and and sharing your work. And I I think that that's fantastic. And you know, um, how does it feel to to you know be where you are now? You know, you know, you've been writing. You said, I mean, you were talking like, you know, way back. Right. How does it? Do you, do you realize that you're you're like successful, or do you feel that way, or does it? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I, I guess I, you know, I definitely do feel uh, successful. Um, I don't know, but it still feels like it could be very fleeting. I mean, I, I'm really appreciative and. and 
couldn't thank people enough for, you know, especially the ones that, you know, support what I do and, and support it enthusiastically. I mean, it's just, there's no other feeling like that. Um, and frankly, it, yeah. it keeps me going back to, to, to the, to the laptop, right. you know, cause it's, right. you know, there's so much of writing it can be like a, <laughs> can be kind of hard, like pride swallowing kind of thing. Um, yeah. And the whole idea of why do you write is, you know, it can be a hard answer sometimes and sometimes it changes. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange. Cause you know, there's that part of it. You know, I feel like also people, I don't want to like burst people's bubble. Like when they imagine like, I don't know what a successful author does look like, you know, I still teach <laughs> high school. Um, yeah. you know, so, That's so most of the day it's like too. most of my day jobs, I can't, you know, these kids really don't care that I write these books or, <laughs> um, or whatnot, you know, which is fine. Like I don't yeah. expect to come into the classroom and have them sort of worshiping Mr. Trembley. It's you know far from. You know, nice they're, certain, they're certainly interested in it, but yeah, I don't know. It's strange. It's you know in the U.S. I mean, you know the writer as someone who's uh, I don't know the the writer on like on the list of like people who are recognized or like quote unquote celebrity. It's it's so far down the ladder <laughs> as to right. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this is not to say that I'm complaining in any way. So it's just it's just a weird thing. Like sometimes I feel like I'm almost I'm definitely in two different worlds and usually they're <laughs> opposed to each other. And, and sometimes yeah. it, can just, it can just be a little bit of it can just be a little dizzying at times to you know, be dealing with like freshman geometry problems and then you know, people right. you know, saying awesome things about oh what a great writer you are and all this stuff. It's just like, wow, this is really kinda of weird. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very, very thankful and happy to have it, though. So hopefully, hopefully yes, it stays weird. Yes. Well, and we, we are yeah. both fans of your work. We've, we've read you, and we, we love your work, and we hope that you keep doing it. And uh, you know, congratulations on the new release. And we're just about out of time. But before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and learn more about you and your work? Sure. Um, so you can find me, as you mentioned, on Instagram, at Paul G. Tremblay. Uh, it's the same handle for Twitter as well. Um, my website's paultremblay.net. And I guess the last thing I would mention is I do have a new novel coming out in July called Survivor Song. Great. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit different than the last three novels, I think. Uh, there's no supernatural ambiguity to this one. Um, hopefully people like it. And it's you know probably my last book for a couple of years just because I haven't started a new one yet. <laughs> All right. Well, well we, we'll, we hope we'll you'll come back in July. Because, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll have you back on and talk about it if you want. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, I won't be coughing into the into the phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fine. okay. This is a horror show, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. We're casual. We don't care. But yeah, we'll be yeah. in touch. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. And yeah, let's we'll, we'll we'll be in touch and we'll set a date for your upcoming release. And, all right. Uh, all right. Thank you for being on, and it's always a pleasure to yeah. have you. And of course, you're welcome back anytime. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights and sweet screams. Thank you for listening.
Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Thank you. 